This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. The Heartland Institute's Donald Kendall, Deputy Director of our Socialism Research Center, was recently a guest on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560 The Answer in Chicago. Donald was invited on to talk about how the green agenda hurts the poor the most, how the basic economics of solar and wind power just don't add up, how the push for EVs is doing little for the American worker, but doing a lot to benefit the communist Chinese, DEI initiatives, and a lot more. Donald is becoming a bit of a regular on Sean's hard-hitting and popular radio show in Chicago, especially when Sean wants to talk about socialism, ESG, or the senseless climate and energy policy under the Biden administration. It's a fun interview. Have a listen. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. My next guest is a research fellow for Heartland Socialism Research Center. He's the host of Heartland's In the Tank podcast and Stopping Socialism TV. We're going to have him on to discuss the golden goose of all government corruption. And I've always had a question. How do you quantify the cost of government eco-Nazism? I mean, I remember in the 70s, catalytic converters. Now they're being stolen in Chicago. Uh, How do you quantify the cost to the American people of the government demanding certain environmental clauses that shouldn't be there in the first place? He is Donald Kendall. Donald, how are you? You know, I'm doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's a coincidence because my car, I just got an alert on my car saying that my catalytic converter needs to be replaced. And I was thinking of just driving it down Chicago and just leaving it on the side road for a night and then, you know, claiming it for insurance. Oh, there you go. Because, yes, uh, you may as well you might as well buy one and then drive it because it's it's useless anyway. It's useless. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm a car guy and I was recently in California and they had a, a guy pulls up in a in a pre-catalytic converter car. It was like a 1969 Buick Deuce and a Quarter. Beautiful car. And, you know, you, you, you heard the sound. It sounded different. The car ran differently. And listen, I'm not about hurting the environment. No one wants to hurt the environment. But we're so quick to take these so-called answers and solutions. We don't realize exactly what it does in the grand scheme of things. Because in that state, it's also $7.23 a gallon. And you start to figure out who really is hurt by this. And it's always poor people, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, we, we've put so much thought into this whole kind of green agenda thing from every direction, as you can imagine. I mean, Heartland Institute, our bread and butter is uh, energy and environment uh, issues and public policy that relates to those things. And, and what I've come to realize is that there's so many different interest groups that are all have their uh, like thumb on the scale when it comes to this issue, and they don't all necessarily have the same objectives in mind. They're all playing into the same kind of mindset that some people are doing it for power, some people are doing it for money, some people are doing it for influence, but it's all this kind of self-perpetuating machine. So you know, it's uh, it's crazy, but the people that are taking that on the short end of the stick is definitely people like you and me, sir. Well, the funny thing is, is that there's there's a duality going on. The same people who are telling us that it's crucially important for us, the individual American, to sacrifice. It has to, you know, for the environment. These are the same people that have no problem funding chaos and warfare around the world. I, I find that to be a duality that's hard to swallow. But the more important thing that, that, that gets lost in the argument is that human beings, specifically Americans, Americans have found a way to 
make use of the true renewable energy, the one that is always under attack, the most cost effective on every level, but also the common denominator of everything in our life that is good from the roof above us to the floor below us and the clothes on our back oil. Yet it has very few advocates. There are very few people that are willing to take on the peer pressure of idiots and scoundrels who want to tax and abuse and misappropriate. And ultimately, I'm wondering, is there going to be a scandal obvious enough, something bigger than Solyndra, something bigger than windmills that don't work or solar that is 75 year old technology that doesn't work? And you and, and, and the fact you can't really transport energy, can you? So when these what? windmills and solar and the farms all throughout California, are they successful in transporting that energy? Well, so a couple of things there. Uh, You said nobody's standing up for like oil and coal and all of that. Not even oil companies are standing up for that type of thing. They're buying into the same type of ESG mindset right there. So that just kind of shows you how far down the line. Well, they make more money in the alternative. And they do nothing. Absolutely. I mean, the so, political game is a very lucrative one, so you, you almost can't blame them for that. But uh, you know, you mentioned Solyndra, and, and I knew you were going to mention Solyndra. <laughs> Everyone mentioned Solyndra when we talked about the failures of these wind and solar things. And like, I don't, you know, I, I don't, uh, uh, you know, I'm not. Seems like a deal now. It's five billion. I mean, <laughs> it was nine, right? Or it was even less. It's, it seems like a deal. Whatever it was, is a deal. Oh well, yeah, it was, it was. It was about a half a billion. Oh. So yeah, by today's standards, you know, that buys a couple of loaves of bread. Yeah. But for every Solyndra, there's like a handful of other ones that just totally get ignored. Uh, Cape Wind in Massachusetts, hundreds of millions of dollars in government subsidies went, went to that. Complete failure. Blythe Solar Power Project in California, that was a complete failure. Just this year alone, we've seen failures of green energy projects in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, where two wind farms were just uh, shut down in, in, in New Jersey that were getting up to a billion dollars in tax credits. All of these things are just failing constantly. And of course, the Solyndra one is the one that stands out. But the, the point is that these are these are a dime a dozen. These are failing all over the place because yeah. the basic economics don't support wind and solar. It just doesn't work. One they all the, fail. One of the things I'm enjoying is the absolute collapse of the so-called uh, EV market. And you're starting to see some notable companies that thought they could be successful in it. Mercedes comes to mind that is really kind of taking it on the chin and almost abandoning the entire platform. But one of the scandals that I think you have to we have to touch upon being from Illinois and Illinois Chicago radio station is this idea that a Chinese communist front group posing as an EV battery company called Goshen gets an eight billion. That has to be the most obvious, bald faced, taxpayer subsidized payoff to the Communist Party in American history. Do you think that's too bold of a statement? Uh, no, uh, although in today's day and age, there's probably a handful of things that you could probably label with that. But when the economics, uh, when reality hits this, the economics is very clear. All of these companies that buy into all of this and they're really pushing EVs, GM losing, uh, forget, like $30,000 per car they sell, some something crazy like that. All of the uh, green energy companies that are involved in all the failures are the things I just listed, listed off. BP wrote off $500 million, I think, just last year. Eversource devalued by $300 million. Uh, Orsted, which is the one that shut down the two wind farms in New Jersey, they just dropped in valuation by more than like $5 billion. Their stock plummeted by, uh, plunged by 20%. 
and it, and it, you know, but don't worry. Don't worry. I know you're worried. And you text me sometimes in the middle of the night yes. wondering about how these cronies are ever going to make a dollar in a market economy. But Terrified, I'm here to reassure yeah. you yeah. that the government is going to ride in with full of bags of taxpayer money and freshly printed fiat currency to bail out and subsidize these companies and projects. And guess what? We have another United Nations conference, COP28, taking place later this month, and surely some new initiative will be announced. Well, it's nice we get to check up on Greta. A slush fund of trillions of dollars that they can pour into all these failed projects, just like the ones I referenced earlier. So Mm. don't worry. If the market fails, the government will step in. Well, I like that we get to check up on Greta. I like to see how she's aging like a troll. I find it to be quite quite interesting. But one of the things that's, that's, that's particularly... I think an opportunity for people that want to want to change things is that the American people writ large have spoken. We do not want the scam EVs. We just don't want them. There was no demand prior to this big push where government comes on, comes in with really misappropriation of power and demands that a certain percentage of cars be sold and yada, yada, yada. But the reality is people don't want these things. They're dangerous. They don't work, and it's a fraud because those are not magic holes in the wall. Eventually, people are going to have to realize what that is. So well, that, That's the only reason that these things are standing, because of government mandate and because of government subsidies. In some of these instances of some of these uh, failed green energy projects, the uh, companies that were involved in it went to the Public Service Commission, you know, because we don't really have a free market when it comes to energy. Yeah. And they were saying, hey, look, the only way we're going to actually be able to turn like a profit with this is if you were allowed us to increase energy prices to the tune of 65%. And thankfully, the Public Service Commission said, uh, you know what? No, we're not going to do that to the customers. But like, that's the alternative. If you really want these green energy things, we're talking about rate increases of 65%, and that is being conservative. Before we get to the rest of this podcast, I wanted to let you know about two fantastic live podcasts Heartland produces every week. We'd love for you to join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, live for our flagship In the Tank podcast. You can watch on the Stopping Socialism TV channel on YouTube, where you can participate in the show in the chat with other fans and also ask questions that we'll address on the air and put up on the screen. And every Friday, also at 1 p.m. Eastern and noon Central time, you can go to Heartland's main YouTube channel. Just search for the Heartland Institute on YouTube for Climate Change Roundtable. Heartland's climate team of Anthony Watts, Sterling Burnett, and Linnea Lucan cover the crazy climate news of the week, debunk mainstream media myths about the so-called climate crisis, dig into energy policy, and much more. The show also often features guests that include some of the leading climate scientists and energy policy experts anywhere in the world. There is no show like it anywhere. So become regular live viewers of both of these programs if you are interested in smart, lively, fun, and interactive conversations. We hope to see you there every Thursday and Friday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern and noon Central at the Stopping Socialism TV channel and the Heartland Institute channel on YouTube. Oh yeah, we're also on Rumble. See you there. Now, there was only one president in you know, recent history, uh, in particular over the last 25 years, who had the, the courage and the wherewithal to, to explain to the American people that uh, alternative energy sucks, and that was Donald Trump. Uh, 
as he ridiculed what we are now living through, our reality. And I see him coming back and running and saying, look, all of this will go away on day one. I'm wondering, I think that is a message that will sell, by the way. I'm wondering if you think it's possible in the next election to also see people who want to run for Congress and the Senate to grab onto that, because ultimately courage is intoxicating. And I think the American people want to hear somebody say what we all have instinctively known and what we all realize to this day, it is a scam. And for politicians to run on the fact that climate change is a fraud and I will not throw good money after bad and we will cut the ties to the eco-Nazis. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this this all stems from this twisted I- ideology that price prioritizes an agenda and delusions for effective reality. And that's the things that I was that I was talking about with all of these failures. All of these different green projects just run into a brick wall which is objective reality. And you can only skirt around that for too long. And you're absolutely right. Donald Trump did very bluntly kind of lay out that message. And, uh, you know, you're talking about people running for Congress. And I will say that, you know, it's um, it's kind of a shame that uh, this kind of the federal government gets all the attention when it comes to kind of quote unquote politics, because just recently, this past weekend, I was at a conference down in Texas with uh, 150 different lawmakers, state level lawmakers from across the country. And the the amount of enthusiasm and the the acknowledgement of how terrible our energy system is is just so thoroughly understood at that level of government. Yes, and all these people, especially after the conference, were so enthusiastic about going back to their state and trying to fix stuff at that state level. And when I am surrounded by that much energy and enthusiasm and that that correct messaging. I can't help but get optimistic, but uh, maybe maybe I'm just you know haven't had the uh, well, I think you're also ground out of me too much. Yeah, but you focus in a lot of a lot of nonsense where you're just looking for a a breath of fresh air. For instance, how many people realize one of your expertise is this nonsense of diversity, equity and inclusion, which is really a joke upon itself. It's almost as if some some sexually frustrated, locked away Marxist came up with an idea to acknowledge and embrace supporting the accepting of those of all races, sexual genders, <laughs> religion, social economic backgrounds among other differences. So when I need an accountant, I don't really need somebody who's good at accounting. I just need a homosexual who is really good at juggling. <laughs> That's what I need. And if you have one with a with a cleft palate, a hair lip, and a club foot, whew, I should pay no taxes. What do you think about that? Well, see, and, and this kind of goes back to that idea that all of this, uh, whether it's uh, you know DEI or green energy or any type of one of these schemes out there, it all stems from this twisted ideology where they try to set aside objective reality and just push for what things should be. And I came up with this analogy while at that conference, actually, where I was just like, imagine a, an, a, an accountant at a firm that's just doing the books and he's got a calculator and he hits two plus two and hits equal. Objective reality says that answer is four. But now when it comes to ESG and other government mandates, basically we're trying to enforce that when he hits that two plus two and hits equal on that calculator, it says five because that makes us all feel much better. It doesn't matter what the reality is. It just makes us feel better if it says five. And that is the tool that we're trying to govern our entire society with now. It's just that feeling of this makes us feel good. Donald, have you gotten uh, an updated sheet on on the uh, 
the the benefits of totalitarian theocrats running countries, be it Afghanistan, Iran, or the former known Jordan, now referred to as Palestine. Do we have a, a written platform on exactly what their policy is on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Do you have any of that? <laughs> Uh, I don't have it on hand, but I can only imagine that uh, that it's not good. I can't, I can't no. imagine they're the most inclusive of cultures. But uh, no, and I, can, I can't wait for some transgender barista to join the Marine Corps and really get introduced to Hamas, because I think they're going to be a startling reality, because sadly, this has entered our military. And I think this is something that is really quite tragic when it comes to other government jobs. I mean, the fact of the matter is they don't really work. Anybody that works for the government, we kind of realize those are the worst part performers in society and we expect them to go on break. But when it comes to the military, has there been any ramifications of implementing um, DEI in the Marine Corps, for example? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I don't have the stats on that, but I think kind of anecdotally, you're seeing a lot of people that are a little bit more hesitant to kind of throw throw in and, and go to the military because, you know, the patriotic duty and all the things that come along with that, the honor and yeah. uh, of defending your country and all of that. And now it's kind of been turned into this mockery of, uh, yeah, you know, all of that stuff, that's secondary. We have to make sure that, you know, that barista with the blue hair feels included uh, when we're trying to defend the nation. So we're going to prioritize that. Isn't Again, this all a mockery? It, it, the whole thing. The whole thing comes down to getting rid of objective reality and just going with what feels good. I've come to that conclusion recently, and it's almost like a commonality through line that goes through all of these subjects that we talk about on a daily basis. It's Kantian, isn't it? That's why when you realize that that this whole philosophy of government supremacy, which is what it is, it's built on a psychological trick of self-loathing and to convince the slave to give away any hope for freedom. And that's really the description that destroys every country throughout the world. Unfortunately, it has infected our America. And I think it's never been more obvious than the year 2023. I'm just hoping that the failure is so undeniable that hopefully there are still some good people left who turn it away. Because when you start to see people cheer and support dictators, theocrats, murderers posing as government from uh, Hamas to the Iran, to the Houthis and the blowfish or whatever it is, it's starting to realize you can move from these Democrat hellholes around the country. But if this infects our entire government, where are you going to go? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, how many generations now have we run this system in an irrational manner? But then we get upset when the next generation thinks that we're going to continue to govern irrationally. So it's almost like a self-perpetuating thing. We have to just say absolutely not these are the objective realities this is how it works when it comes to the economy this is how it works when it comes to energy production this is how it works when it comes to defending the country it's not thoughts and feelings it's not what we want to be the case it's objective reality now do you ever find yourself uh thinking you know that kjp is a terrible absolutely the arguably the worst and the dumbest press secretary this country's ever had but man she must be a phenomenal lesbian do you ever think like that or is that just me Yeah, you know, and it makes it all feel better, yeah. you know, like, I, I, you know, sometimes you just, you say like, oh, yeah, you know, you're not getting the points across, straight yeah. up lying, sometimes clearly just carrying water for the administration. Yeah. But it also but makes man, me think you know. if only I was gay, I'd be driving a Bentley. Anyway, That's true. That's I appreciate true. you making time for me. He is Donald Kendall, the Heartland Institute. He is uh, also a co-host of 
In the Tank podcast and Stopping Socialism TV. He is Donald Kendall. Thanks, as always, for joining me to talk about the ridiculous, also known as our government. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments. 